Hello and welcome to yet another episode of the Yoga Syndicate. Today's little episode is about uh, a topic, a subject, a concept uh, that we all call love. Ellen Johannesson, what is love? What is love? You expect me to answer that big question? Um, well, depends from uh, from where you see it. We use love a lot these days. All you need is love, and we're all striving for love. We're all chasing love. We all want to get loved. Uh, if we look at it in um, in a philosophical uh, context, if we look at what it what it means uh, within uh, Buddhism, for instance. You have Maitri, love means uh, friendliness, wanting something good for another person. So we're not talking about the, the passionate love or the need to be loved or the kind of dependent love. We talk about the, that feeling of really wanting something good for, for someone else. Well, that sounds lovely. <laughs> uh, no, this, this whole love thing, you know, um, it kind of re- reminds me of um, you know, you hear a lot of different mantras or you, you know, you experience different, you know, people, sages that, that also say that, you know, anything in its exaggerated form, uh, uh, whether it's too much of this, that or the other, it just, it becomes unnecessary and sort of clouds your ability to just be. Um, where do we have to draw the line with uh, uh, wanting, needing or giving uh, love? I think we have to distinguish here with, uh, between uh, desire and the desire to be loved and, uh, and the love as it is, the love that is unconditional love that we have for, for other human beings simply by, the, by their merit of being human beings. So that is also related to our uh, ability for compassion, our ability to understand and to, to feel what other people feel. So I, th- I think from there we have a, a different kind of love. But the whole idea of love is so watered out these days. You know, we use it. It's probably one of the words that is overused the, the most. So it, it doesn't have much significance anymore. So if we really want to find out what love is, we have to go a little bit deeper. So, like, you know, when you say, love you, it's just another way of saying goodbye. Yeah, Exactly, and uh, yeah, first time I, when I moved to England, I thought it was so wonderful that yeah, I went into a shop and, uh, and they would say, here's your change, love. You know, I thought it was kind of also endearing. Uh, and, uh, and, and maybe it, it helps. I mean, it made my day. I don't know um, whether the, the little old lady, or whether she meant it from the depth of her heart. She probably did. So this can also have many, uh, many uh, shades and many uh, different kinds of depth. So d- it depends on the uh, intention of the speaker. Love you can also mean, you know, remembering that you love someone. So I- intention uh, is a key word here. Just the, the concept of, mm-hmm. of feeling what you feel and meaning what you mean. And, and uh, do we, how do we get there? Do you... With, with other things and any other good practice? Is it kind of a fake it till you make it or make it till 
you bake it. I mean, how do we get to, get to this feeling uh, of love without it just being uh, uh, a feature word? I think fake it till you make it is a very good method because uh, at least if you fake it till you make it, you're not going to hurt anyone and you might even get better at it. But as everything else that we train in, we need to uh, we need to contemplate a little bit. We need to contemplate from uh, from a, a rational side. Who are we without anyone else? Uh, we're not alone in the world. We're so dependent on on other people, and we tend to forget that. We take people for granted. Oh, they're just doing their job. They're not doing anything more. Uh, they're not good enough. Uh, and and we don't often realize that uh, we are receiving so much from from other people just to to keep us alive to keep our whole existence going and um, as we uh, as we train more uh, uh, more in a more structured way in in loving kindness we we sort of have to bring to mind what uh, other people have have done for us all the people who have taken care of us throughout our lives. I mean, we are born completely helpless. We've been educated. We've been taught everything we know. And if we start to think back, we can see that there are so many people in our lives that has gone the extra mile for us. So that's something we have to think about consciously because we tend to lean to the... We tend to lean to the towards the negative things in our lives. We always want more. We always crave more. So we we, uh, we need to sit down and, and consciously consider what do we have. It's kind of like a take four steps back before you take five forward, uh, or one forward into the the abyss. So so love is also uh, like um, like vidya. It's like it's an understanding. Um, it's a knowing what you know. It's a knowing what you feel and, and practicing that. Because, you know, when I think of this love thing uh, in conjunction with this yoga thing, um, I, of course, think of this, you know, expression and namaste and, you know, the light in me sees the light in you. But how in the heck are you going to see the light in anything else if your light is completely off? And how are you going to see the love in someone else when their light is off? So is self-love uh, in in the core uh, as a first step in being loved or loving? Is loving yourself, uh, uh, does it mean a darn thing? Uh, it does actually. It's not that much uh, emphasized in the, in the yoga context or in the Buddhist world. But it actually starts with that when you're contemplating the... Uh, for immeasurables, uh, within those, the measurable love, you actually have to start with yourself because you have to realize what are my needs, what do I wish for in in life. So I wish for safety, I wish for uh, for happiness, I wish for health, I wish for um, some kind of ease and flow and uh, even maybe an uh, um, spiritual aspiration or spiritual fulfillment in my life. And once you realize that, you can also realize that other people are exactly the same. They're no different from you. And, uh, yeah, we all want to be loved. We all want to be happy. But we just have, <laughs> many of us just have very unskillful ways to go about it. And in that way, we, uh, we appear as if we don't have a grain of love in us, as if we are just bastards and assholes. And... Uh, 
when we encounter a person like that, we just have to remind ourselves that there is something more. We have to kind of also trust the good in other people. Well, you're, you're bringing up a really good point when it comes to um, loving individuals that don't really appear like they love anything at all and how love in, in one light needs to be, if it's going to be love in the first place, then you, you need to just love by default, right? I mean, love your enemy, uh, love the, the tree, love, love the moment. Um, does love need to be all-encompassing, or are we talking about between people? We could look at uh, at, lo- at love as our uh, one of our fundamental qualities. It's there. And if we look at the world, I, I believe that there is so much love there to just keep us running. I think we, uh, we wouldn't last very long if it, if it wasn't for love. It's actually happening all the time. It just depends how we are trained to see and what we are trained to see. And when it comes to the... Uh, to the enemy who is behaving very unloving, we have to realize that that person is in actually in a very painful situation, not being able to love, not perhaps maybe not loving yourself, not not noticing that you are being loved, not acknowledging that. That's a very p- a painful situation to be in. So we could have some compassion for that person. I see. So. Uh I don't even know why I'm bringing it up, but for some reason what you're mentioning sort of brings me straight into a gel cell of uh, a serial killer that uh, that I'm trying to understand. You know, they, they, upon doing what they do, defend what they've done uh, and, and did by, you know, claiming that I did it because of, uh, I did it because of some righteous uh, act or some sort of fad in their mind but you know after many years they see the light and they suddenly come on some talk show when they come out after 30 or 40 years and say well you know uh, I found the Lord or I did this do we need a vice um, as a bridge is it also for the serial killer is it a fake it till you make it scenario and um, I mean love is a Love is a, it's like you say, it's, it's, it's such a big word, but, you know, behind that big word is there, is there something else? Do you have a synonym for, for love? Is compassion also loving? I think compassion is very related to love, but usually when we define it uh, in philosophical terms or uh, psychological terms, we say that compassion is wanting to take away someone else's suffering whereas love is wanting something good for someone else. So they are, of course, closely related. And I think it all boils down to whether you believe that the fundamental nature of a, of a person is good or not. Yeah, I, I see what you mean. But nonetheless, you know, by if you took everything away, let's say you're the only person alive on this planet, um, would love be on your agenda during the course of the day or would it just be purely survival or, um, and let's say that you didn't even know that there were other human beings. You were just sort of, you were Eve without an Adam. 
I don't know if I was a lot al- uh, alone on the on the planet maybe I would feel very connected to nature maybe I would go love the trees because it's, it's also a way to uh, to look at uh, love you could actually you could actually look at nature and say that nature doesn't uh, distinguish nature just provides nature gift to uh, anyone whether they're good or bad you could also say that nature is a kind of of love nature is uh, is unconditional yeah but you know i hear that and i get it but let's bring all those people back on the planet now and let's go into a relationship that lasted for 15 20 years where they say well just because i called you that just because i forgot to do that for you just because I disregarded you uh, uh, and had one too many drinks or just because, just because, just because. It doesn't mean that I don't love you. Um, is, uh, is love just a word at the end of the day since it seems to be changing uh, as quickly as everything else? Everything is in constant change, isn't it? Well, it's both. I mean, we have love as a, a part of our nature, but... It also it's there, but it also needs to be cultivated. I think at the end of the day, and after the fifteen years, we have not maybe not cultivated the love so much. So we go on on autopilot, and we just start to take things for for granted, and we get lazy. Okay, so cultivating the love, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Ellen Johannesson, uh, welcome to this wonderful game show called. C-T-L, cultivating the love. Ellen, what or how can we cultivate the love in all actuality? (laughs) Uh, Gratitude is one thing, you know. We have to, we can remind ourselves to be uh, grateful for, for what we have. I mean, we uh, we live in a really wonderful uh, country. At least here in the in the West, we do, and um, uh, we have people around us, and we have people who constantly do things for us, whether it's simply their job, or or uh, whether they want to. And yeah, isn't there a reason to be grateful for that? Isn't there a reason for to be grateful that? One human being has really loved us and and showed us so great affection. Shouldn't we just remember that and keep it alive? Isn't that worthwhile? Well, you're 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 make you're reminding me at least in the way I work because I'm a Leo and I have uh, I have my astrological issues like everyone else, um, and I uh, I'm very dependent on you know being affirmed validated in one way shape form or another i just i need someone to say something nice and and i need it just like people need water or a morning coffee uh so love this topic is of course one that it i would now say it fascinates me because as i'm getting older i'm 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 also a little doubtful why that cup of coffee cannot just come when uh when uh, there's nothing wrong with the coffee machine but sometimes it just doesn't come and this love doesn't, you know, show its face. And, and uh, so does, does, does one's pride or even one's astrology get in the way of, uh, of uh, a certain constant when it comes to love? 
Yeah, I think we can uh, we can get uh, very dependent on this being showed love, and I think it's also partly culture, partly cultural. Try dating a Tibetan for some years. I mean, they don't even have a vocabulary for this all these uh, sweet romantic words. They're very matter of fact people. They don't have a culture for showing any affection at all. It doesn't mean they don't love you, but it's on a it's on a different level. So um, I think if you don't if you don't get it um you either have to trust that it's there or you have to have a little talk with your partner and <laughs> ask would you mind giving me a cup of coffee or a hug in the morning honey honey yeah i uh i, I like what you're saying there because you're you're bringing it back to the tibetan that doesn't doesn't even have that those concepts in in the actual language and you know when i think it now living in norway uh it's not very popular to be too cheesy or s- superficial with this concept of um, could you please pass the salt? They, uh, you know, you say things in Norway like um, give me the salt. Mm-hmm. And uh, it doesn't mean that it was said negatively. It was just if you translate it into the lovey-dovey American dialect of English, then it would seem quite rude. But it's, again, does love... Uh, Love is obviously different when it comes to, to to both culture to language, but the core is it uh, is it the same? In a, is it universal love? I think I think love is uh, is universal. If you uh, if you look at the Tibetans, for instance, I think they are definitely um, or they seem to be born with a kind of self-love that 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 takes that they take that for uh, for granted is not uh, such a thing as despising yourself because you are you are loving you're happy to be born as a human being and that gives you all the the possibilities to for for liberation and to live a meaningful life and that's maybe that's more important than being loved Maybe uh, loving and showing compassion and love and respect for others is more important than receiving it. Mm, I, this, this is a kind of, uh, I think we're getting more into the core here now. I, um, when, I, uh, when I hear you speak, it's almost like you're reminding me to, to not decipher or determine or discriminate and think what versus that is actual love because sometimes my love can get a bit too mental it's almost like a checklist uh, instead of just an overall no matter what by default appreciation for the miracle of life that I am through being able to as I am now speak as I can hear as I can taste as I can see as I can turn as I can wake as I can sleep as I can dream um I think, I think at least in in my case, I need to hone more in on that love isn't necessarily just uh, an act, but it's it's by its own nature something that is uh, has been given. It's it's like you know when when your parents or your grandparents say, "Well, you know, if you're looking for the answer, the answer it lays within you." And uh, I think in many ways, love was there from the beginning and it's not a matter of going out and looking for it and trying to distinguish what it is and where it's coming from but to actually just dive a little bit inside is it is it in us from 
from the very beginning, despite someone wanting us to come to this earth, despite someone taking care of us uh, uh, as we were growing up and feeding us and sending us off into the the great big teeth of this world, is is love there from the very uh, act of insemination? From the act of insemination, I'm not sure. Well, that is hopefully an act of love (laughs) (laughs) that brings you into the world. Uh, Yeah, I think we should look at love as a a force within us. And um, one very wise man said that uh, what happens when you are being loved is just that uh, your inner love is being reflected and um, that's why we we think we depend on other people to to have love because they are like holding up a mirror for us they give us love and it reflects our inner capacity and we want more and more of it so we always run after people to find that love we could actually cultivate it rather from within sounds pretty groovy Um, now bhakti yoga being one of these seven arms, or at least uh, from some perspectives, that there are seven yogas, but one of them being this bhakti yoga. Is this this com- love of compassion? Is it? I mean, this yoga of compassion. Uh, is there is there a lot of love in this bhakti yoga? And can you sort of uh, can you share a little bit of your your thoughts about bhakti and love? I think definitely there is love in in bhakti and I think it's a very safe way of loving because you're uh, you're directing your love at something that can never deceive you you know it's not uh, towards a human being it's towards a higher being or a or a or a deity or an ideal or something and you can safely direct your love in in that way and in that way you can it can grow and you can you can cultivate it it can get uh, bigger um, whereas in in Buddhism, which is is similar in a way in the in the Mahayana uh, Buddhism and in the within the Bodhisattva ideal, you're directing that love towards all sentient beings that you are so intimately connected with. I see. And uh, speaking of all sentient beings. Um, if you see an antelope running after another antelope, uh, and it's not a lion going to eat another antelope, but yeah, and a crazy antelope running after another antelope, uh, just to you know perform the act of 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 what those antelopes do in that particular moment, um, we associate a lot of touch and closeness and hugs and and sex in terms of an act of love. Um, do these other sentient beings, do they, you see two horses sort of always standing next to each other and now and then laying their neck over the other's back. I mean, do we need touch? Is touch and the physicality of uh, in our nature of all sentient beings and uh, a component of love? I don't know what the horses do, if they are feeling love or what, but also um, what uh, uh, what is the case with us is that we actually develop through uh, touch. We need to be touched in order to develop as human beings from a very basal, uh, basic uh, level. 
we uh, we are learning uh, we are learning through touch and we're actually dependent on that we cannot survive without touch so um, I, th- I think it, it might be connected some way in our brains that, uh, oh, yeah, love is an exp- uh, or touch is an expression of love, but it's also something we, uh, we physically and mentally depend on. It's kind of cool, you know, when you're talking about touch. Um, after doing, you know, a really sort of like, you know, uh, a rag being sort of... Uh, turned to clean it out, you know, uh, and twisted uh, as you're washing off the surface and putting it under the faucet. And then, you know, um, again, you know, you wring out the rag so that you can clean the surface. When you're stretching, turning, uh, when you're upside down and you're really, you know, you're in the core of a really good 90-minute session and uh, you get up, you sort of gather your things, your yoga mat, you come out into the fresh air um, there is a sense of love that sort of comes pouring through. So this concept of touch versus someone or something else, what about bringing it in as you you touch upon so many different, you know, nadis and groups of different tendons and muscles and and your blood flow, your oxygen, the cleansing, you know, this inner action uh, of, of actual touching the inside moving on the inside. Um, does this balance create more of a capacity to love and be loved by doing yoga as such? I think with all the twisting and, and folding and pretzeling, if that's a verb, that we are doing in, uh, in yoga is, is definitely, uh, um, what should I say, substituting, or it, it has a function like being touched. I, I really think so. Uh, it's, very, it's definitely very grounding, and it's, uh, it opens new uh, neurotransmitters when you put your body into, uh, into different shapes and you get new experiences, and, and I, think it, it, I think it develops you. Um, whether it uh, whether it increases your uh, capacity for loving, I'm not sure. But I think the fact that uh, that yoga brings you a little bit away from um, thinking so much about who you are and more into just experiencing being who you are. Uh, maybe it can uh, can reduce at least something that uh, distances you from from other people and what more than often more often than not distances us is just our conceptual thinking our kind of overly um, developed self-awareness i see so almost being too damn clever is going to hinder you somewhere along the way of both being able to love purely directly and and transparently and also receiving that back so maybe maybe we're too maybe sometimes we're uh, we're making too much fuss about the concept of love or we're making too much fuss with the concepts of concepts by working too much thinking too much saying too much not listening nearly enough and therefore there's no ether there's no space to be loved or to love uh, is uh, is this chitta vritti uh, uh, cheating us, as we can say, chitta cheating us uh, in some way, 
or form or another? I think we're definitely overthinking it. If you think about just, you know, sitting on the floor in the when the yoga class is finished, you're in the room with other people, you haven't talked for an hour and a half, maybe the teacher haven't talked much either, but you're together and you're quiet inside and you're sharing that moment. Isn't that love? Yeah, well, it, it actually is. I, I, uh, I get that feeling... Um, uh, and sometimes if, if I go into a class and I'm giving the class and I'm a little too energetic and I can almost hear myself speaking, uh, I notice the difference uh, w in those occasions where I actually almost uh, don't have a plan. And in that moment of being in the moment, there's not very much to say or do. And somehow this, just, this, this parallel of just sitting uh, in a room with others in complete and utter silence, it almost gives you more. Uh, it's kind of like none is more. It's not just less is more uh, in some circumstances. So um, I think the art, at least from my standpoint, of love is, is, is accepting that you are loved and that there will be times that you don't feel like you are, but you, it doesn't change, it doesn't change the... The, the fact that you are loved and and how uh, how to not allow too too many thoughts or thought processes because it's almost like they come like a herd of thoughts to suddenly um, you know change it all up so I've been looking into this praktik paksha bhavanum you know replace this thought with another thought in order to crawl into a different corner of thought instead of just allowing the herd to 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 trample you, um, is it in, is it important to to keep the mind uh, sharply uh, um, carved and 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 sharp? I mean, do we need to sharpen the mind in order to to let love come in shining through? Yeah, you know, there's all kinds of things we can do with our minds, and mostly we do nothing with our minds. We kind of just let it run wild, and we have this idea that once we have grown up, we're fine. Now our education somehow stops and we can just run on autopilot for the rest of our lives. Unless you're a yogi, then you, uh, then you deliberately train your minds and exchanging uh, a thought with the opposite thought is a, is a well-tested uh, method that has been, been used. And you can actually do it. But we rarely think about training our minds. So uh, I think it's a good idea to train it. Just when you get a negative thought, just try and switch it. Replace it with another thought. Because what the thoughts are doing, they are just, um, they are just multiplying anyway. That's uh, an, an interesting thing in, uh, in the Eastern philosophy. The, the thought process is actually, th is actually considered like one of our, our sense organs. Yeah? It's, a, it's a physical it's a part of the body, it's part of prakriti, it's not given that high a status. There are something higher than our thought process, just like your stomach digests food and your eyes see and your ears hear. Well, your mind produces thoughts, that's all it does. So, so we, can, um, we can train that mind and, and, and we can, uh, I would say, uh, manipulate it, or that's maybe a negative word, but we can educate it, we can improve it. Mm, that's that's funny to think because, you know, someone that's like weeping in the corner, you know, you never touch me anymore, you never hug me anymore, you never initiate anything. They should rather say or think uh, or write to the other person, 
You're not putting, you're not crossing your T's or dotting your I's. You're not getting those thoughts organized. Can you, can you just, can you just figure things out in your mind that would, so that I can feel loved over here? Uh, so it's, I, uh, I find, I find in the West, you know, I almost admire the Tibetan or, you know, the Swiss or these other very practical, you know, uh, cultures that, uh, have grown up in a certain way, you know. Um, you know, you watch TV or you you see someone giving a speech from Russia or something, and, you know, although I can't speak Russian and although I'm very aware of the fact that there is some amazing both poetry and prose and theater and literature uh, and great minds in, in Russia, you still see this very stern sort of, <clears throat> uh, or German, Ordnung muss sein, and... Uh, I've, some of the most loving people I've ever met were in these Germanic or in these, you know, Slavic countries. So I don't, I think, uh, I think love is understanding that there's always more than meets the eye. And love is understanding that never judge this or that book by its cover. Um, do you, uh, have you ever been pleasantly surprised in your, 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 your time on this earth that, um, that you might have judged a book uh, by its cover a little too quickly when it comes to love? Oh, definitely. I think we do that all the time. And I think one of the um, most pleasant surprises is the, the little things that we, that we didn't expect when we realize in after time that this person really did this for me. Is not the most extrovert person necessarily who uh, runs towards you with uh, open arms and <laughs> kisses you all over your face and neck. But uh, it's maybe the person who did something secretly without saying anything, and you just realized they did this. They didn't have to, but they did. It's funny what you're saying. Uh, it's not funny. It's just absolutely remarkable that sometimes the greatest love you have for an individual is when the whole darn thing is done. Uh, so you reflect back, and suddenly, as those thoughts clear, the herds walk away. You suddenly... Uh, you know, the clouds open up and you're just like, where are you, my light? You know, you must be near for here it is bright. Where did you go? Where are you? Now I understand what you've done for me. Um, uh, this is when you might want that uh, back to the future uh, DeLorean to, to drive up and take you for a ride, right? So you can you can go forward and look back and understand what, what you have. Why is it so darn just to accept uh, that, that we have a good thing? Do we sometimes resist love in our, in our nature to become more survival in a, in a crazy-ass world? Exactly. And, and uh, I think uh, uh, evolutionary psychologists would say that, that it's part of our uh, makeup as human beings to never be satisfied because if we were satisfied, we might not be able to survive. We are sort of wired to always want more and not stop and pause and look at the landscape and look at the love surrounding us. We are geared to wanting more, to want to provide for ourselves, to, to always have in excess. And uh, at times, and as we see in our society, this has run crazy now. We have more than enough. And we it's time to... Uh, to sit back and, and look at what we have and look at the flowers uh, mm. <laughs> near the road. So rather replace a thought with another, praktik baksha bhavanam, and don't replace your sofa with another. Exactly. Far cheaper to replace the thoughts with another thought than re replacing your sofa every six months. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Oh man, uh, well, let's go a little into the material world before we uh, we wrap up this uh, this beautiful burrito of love. Uh, you know, if we if we go into the material world, everything we see, everything we learn. I mean, you know, this is uh, November uh, twenty twenty. There's just been an election. There's been a lot of you know key phrase words like America is divided. The world is divided. The pandemic is running rampant. Nobody knows what to do, what to think, uh, where to fly uh, if they can. Uh, it's locked down. There's droplets. Everyone is saying the same things uh, without really themselves differentiating what is going on or what they feel. So, you know, I always like the so-called, you know, uh, tragic, uh, this is our great depression in our lifetime and so on. Because, you know, people get together, they talk again, they, they make podcasts uh, about random subjects. So I, um, I'm, I'm just wondering, what's your take on the influence of how things happen, both on a, a micro, macro level, that, that affects our own uh, ability to, to love? Do we, do we always need to join a team of thought? Or can we, can we go out with a ball in the garden and just kick that thing around all on our own behalf? Uh, I think for for many this is a is, this is a time where you sit back and you reflect about over thing you reflect on things because suddenly your your future isn't what it uh, what it was supposed to be and what you expected it to be and you might find yourself in a very insecure situation so this actually means that you have a choice you know are you going to panic about it are you going to blame someone about it or are you going to step back and look at, well, so what are the real values in life? What did I have? What have I lost? Uh, and, and, and what do you do to, to solve it then? Do you seek other people? Do you seek the closeness, the comfort of, um, of other people? Do you, uh, do you have compassion for, for those who have even less than you now? So uh, you can, in one one hand, you can stay with your ball in your own backyard and and uh, and play with it, or you could look in a in a larger context and see. Well, here we are in Norway. We're not that bad off actually. We have a government that can pump in money and provide for us. What about the rest of the world, where people have nothing, when they're really desperate right now? Do we use this moment to to widen our, our awareness of, of what's going on in the in the rest of the world? Maybe generate some compassion. And if we can't generate compassion, at least we could generate some gratitude for what we have. Yeah, you know, now I'm getting a bit confused. Uh, I I'm on board with what you're saying. It's just you know I've been like you, uh, um, also immersed in the slums of Mexico City and both here and there and everywhere, I, uh, I often find that those, back to the concept of having too much or replacing the sofa, some people, they don't even need to replace the thought because they're living so, uh, so genuine. They're living, it's almost uh, infectious that you are around some, some, some of the, the smiles with the whitest teeth where they, they've never even had tooth, toothpaste on those teeth. And the smiles are so bright that you don't, you know, you couldn't even, you, you, you can't even emulate that or, or animate it. It's the, the smile so genuine uh, as the eyes uh, reach back and, and the blink of the eye just seems, you know, can just send shivers up your spine. So, you know, my, my point being is that um, you know, 
we are very fortunate, yes, in one realm when it comes to living in a country that sort of takes care of its people, has a lot of resources. Um, and at the moment now, uh, the trick of the trade is that Norway, yes, has maybe less uh, COVID uh, rampaging you know, stories and people are more collective in how they do things. But when it just comes generally out of a pandemic time, you know, you just think of the have-nots versus the haves. I always feel that there's this great balance. I mean, um, some people, they don't know what they're going to put on the dinner tonight. They go for more walks, maybe looking for their dinner, and they they have more talks on their way to, you know, maybe someone sharing uh, their dinner with them. And, you know, I'm wondering if love in in this light is can be experienced more uh, wholeheartedly when you have less or nothing mm. well a, a crisis could potentially bring out the, the best in people it could bring out the compassion and the uh, and the ability to to share with other people or it, it can it can go in the completely opposite direction Comp- uh, fight for what you have and and try by all means to protect what you have and shut out the rest of the world so in in that way the situation we're we're in in is is very interesting or very potent in that way because it's really a situation where we we have a choice we do have a choice um and i think it's i think it's interesting you know when you when you're walking down the street and you're you do have a choice in thought when you look at someone and say oh my god look at that god-awful jacket that she has on, what was she thinking? Um, you know, you come back to this concept of satya and uh, the concept of, you know, um, muni, where you need to keep your thoughts sort of uh, amongst yourself. Do you, uh, do you think that, that there is an energy behind, even in your silent mind of, okay, you might not need to love that jacket, you might not need to love that situation or that particular day or that person walking by, but can you find some sort of love and just having a simple grace and uh, a natural nature about yourself to be kind? Uh, does that does that instigate uh, not only a self-love but uh, a selfless love uh, where you are just, you're just a walking version of love? Well, we have to start where we are, you know. We we can't all be a walking version of love, but uh, at least we can avoid hurting someone. And uh, that might be a first step. If you are like like I used to be, I was I was prone to if not being very cynical and very sarcastic, at least I had those thoughts in my head all the time, you know. If I saw that awful jacket, I would I would create in my head a very deadly remark that would uh, reduce people to ashes, even if I didn't say it. But uh, but then I thought, um, then I thought, this is actually an awful thing. I mean, it felt very good. It felt very powerful in the in the moment. But um, just just do the little steps. Stop talking behind people's backs. Stop talking badly about them, even if they don't hear it directly. And then then try try not to and then of course not try not to say it directly and then even try not to think it or try to replace it or be a little bit self-critical why do i have to put people down why do i have to have these thoughts could i think about this person in some other way mm. like uh, i get i get you um i'm thinking uh before we uh 
end this beautiful episode, I was just thinking if you could sort of reflect yourself and share uh, on the cuff here. Is there any, uh, do you have a standout uh, example of love in your life? And I'm very curious if you attach it to a person or to a moment uh, that is that has happened with you. A moment that has happened with you, uh, with me. <laughs> um, was that the answer? Was it? Was it with me? <laughs> I don't remember, but let's uh, let's go down that that road. I don't know. It, maybe when I was asleep in Kathmandu. I don't know. No. Uh, did anything of any, yeah, of any significance happen where you didn't have to study it? It just sort of took your breath away. Mm, I think if I if I look back, there are several moments like that. You know, it it was it can be moments with with mentors or or people who suddenly gave me a, an opportunity that was not expected. I think, uh, and especially as you're a young and striving artist, you kind of need this uh, these openings. And uh, I think there were definitely moments where where people saw me and where they gave me that uh, opportunity, and uh, and um, it brought me to places that I had never expected and that was a that that was an act of uh, of goodness what about locations is there any location that when you get there you're just like you feel unconditionally hugged because the place is just speaking volumes to you yes there are several locations like that the first one was our summer house in the south of norway i remember coming there once as a teenager i think i was 16 i think i was really depressed I uh, saw just the the future was just a row endless row of gray days. I came there late in the night. I woke up the next morning and I just felt so uh, loved by the whole like la- landscape, the whole nature, all the colors, mm. the air. It was so generous. It just made a, a noticeable switch like that. Beautiful. And uh, there are other, of course, very powerful places um, uh, like uh, Bodhgaya, the place of the, the Buddha's uh, enlightenment. is also a place where, where people, you can see people fall in spontaneously to peace, into meditation. They just sit under the, the Bodhi tree, they're by the temple, and they're just relaxing. They're just meditating. Mm. Places like that, Mount Kailash, also a very sacred mountain, and there are power places that have a, a strong impact like that. Yeah, I uh, one of my go-to places, and I, I don't think I would have ever said this before, is uh, Jerusalem. I, uh, and it's now sort of like sending you know like lightning waves uh, into my head and heart just thinking about it because there's there's a lot of turmoil, uh, and maybe I'm kind of built up in my. Uh, in my capacities and my experiences, that I need a little, I need a little of the dark next to the light. Uh, I need a little of the divine next to the traditional. Uh, I need a good story, and I, I just seem, you know, when I'm in Jerusalem, I I get the feeling like, yeah, holy moly, um, there's something in the air, and a lot of it is love, and maybe it's just. Maybe there's something that I appreciate that, you know, that city will never be bombed from either side of religion just because there's there's so much lane in it, although well, people keep arguing who it belongs to. But at the end of the day, no one will no one will hurt the actual edifice of Jerusalem because it there's a power, there's a light. Uh, uh, 
there near this amazing uh, Dead Sea, which also just fascinates the heck out of me. So in terms of places, that's that's sort of my go-to place if I was to, you know, go and feel something. Uh, and uh, usually when I have felt love the absolute most, it's been when I've discovered it on my own behalf. And I think that's probably... Uh, that's probably um, been felt because it's not often that I, I, I am more of a melancholic person. So it's not often that I, I feel love all all on my own account. So um, I wouldn't at- attribute or you know connect my great stories of love just uh, in regards to another human being, but more so myself. Would you say that that in your examples of someone giving you a break, someone opening a door? Uh, is it something that you experienced yourself or was it just, is it, is it the good act of good natured people that trust in you that make you feel loved? Uh, yeah. Uh, but sometimes you just see these things in, uh, in after time, you know, you, you look back and you realize that person really went out of their, uh, their way for me. Uh, I think sometimes it's not so obvious because we're so self-centered also. <laughs> like I said in the beginning, we always want more. It's not always that easy to, to see it. Uh, but the more, uh, the more I learn, the more I look back. And also when you, when you come of age yourself and maybe you're in a situation where you uh, are able to give a break to, to someone else, then you can see where these other people acted from towards you, and, and then you will know. So, okay, then love, in somewhat concluding thoughts here, love um, can only really be manifested, tested, uh, expressed, and given if you can look back and see how you might have been loved uh, in situations that you that you felt you weren't. So... You're almost loving the feeling that you were hated or not appreciated, but looking back, you know it was love nonetheless. So it seems like a, you know if one was to wrap up, you know, and coil up this beautiful conversation, one of the key components of how you and I, or at least look at love and have felt love, is in retrospect and and in going forward after looking back uh, with some clues of how to. Uh, cope and feel yourself loved nonetheless although moments don't shine as your old mind had uh, had wanted them to because your new mind isn't waiting for anything shiny it's accepting and understanding that hey this is also love because now I know after losing that 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 there was there was elements of love in that uh, would you agree with that? I would absolutely agree with that. I mean, someone wanted you to flourish, and that is love. Mm. Well, uh, let's let this flourishing love uh, continue to grow. Uh, even if we don't know that it's happening, uh, we'll always uh, be able to do so after the fact. So, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, I'd like to thank you uh, for such a loving conversation. Uh, Ellen, and I'd like to wrap this up and remind you that this was the episode of Love, and we are the Yoga Syndicate.